Step into the hidden corridors of the past with Hometown History, where every episode uncovers the untold stories and secrets nestled in the streets and alleys of our own backyards. We bring history to life, revealing the extraordinary in the ordinary, from local legends to forgotten tales that shape the communities we know today. Tune into Hometown History and embark on a journey through time, right from where you are. Soundsington Media! It's one of the most important nights of the year. At the midway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice, all the villages surrounding yours prepare for the most revered of the four yearly fire festivals. You've been working to harvest the crops that will get you and all the nearby families through the winter. As the days get shorter, everyone is in the fields day in and day out, and the hearth fires at home have been left to burn out. Now, on the last night of the harvest, you trudge up the hill, carrying an unlit torch, towards the largest bonfire you have ever seen. Cloaked figures chant rhythmically, welcoming everyone into the circle. The blood of a cow soaks the ground as you light your torch to carry back home with you. You are now ushering in the dark half of the year. I'm Elise Parisian, and this is the Halloween edition of Unspookable. If you're used to dressing up as a favorite character and trick-or-treating, then the story at the top may not be quite the Halloween you were expecting. But it is how Halloween started. Many historians believe that the holiday many people in the Western world celebrate on October 31st every year began as an ancient Celtic tradition called Samhain, a Gaelic word meaning something like end of summer. There is some debate about differences in Celtic languages and cultures, but it's possible that Celtic people inhabited much of what is today Central and Western Europe from around 1200 BC. To mark the end of summer, the harvest, and the coming winter, the Druids, or Celtic religious leaders, would hold the festival of Samhain, which may have included animal sacrifices, prayers, presentations before chieftains or nobles, and other community rituals. There is evidence that Samhain was what many modern religions would call a holy day, one of the most revered of the year. If you didn't participate in the festivities, which sometimes lasted up to three days and three nights, you were thought to be shunned by the gods, or cursed with illness and even death. Slowly but surely, After hundreds of years, Christianity began to dominate the religious festivals of Europe, with pagan rites like Samhain in some cases forced into the shadows. In order to encourage pagans to convert to Christianity, early missionaries are thought to have used pagan dates of significance, such as Samhain, to create the Christian calendar, believing that if the holy days were the same, more pagans would convert. In the year 731, Pope Gregory III is said to have declared November 1st All Saints Day. This day celebrates all known and unknown saints, 
or people of the highest holiness in the Christian faith. The Feast of All Saints sought to honor the living and the dead. And the night before the celebration of the saints, or Hallows as they were sometimes called, was referred to as All Hallows Eve. And then later, you guessed it, it became Halloween. Whether pagan, Christian, or otherwise, it's clear that this time of year brings up ghostly vibes for everybody, with many cultures in the Northern Hemisphere marking the time after the fall equinox as a time that the separation between the living and the dead is most fluid. Around this time that the days are getting shorter, many Mexicans celebrate Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, on November 1st, a festival to honor those that are no longer with us. Perhaps there's something about the sun setting earlier, the hint of chill on the breeze, that reminds us that the border between life and death is thin at best. But what about All Hallows' Eve? How did we get from animal sacrifices to plastic pumpkins filled with chocolate? More on that when we return. If someone has not heard of Halloween, I would tell them that it's about costumes and like trick-or-treating and like eating candy and stuff and also celebrating the Day of the Dead. How I would describe Halloween, it's like this really fun day where you walk around in a costume and you knock on people's doors and you say trick-or-treat and then they give you candy. My family Halloween traditions involve trick-or-treating, of course, um, watching scary movies, picking your costumes, and we also love to go to spirit stores and like see all of their creepy stuff they have. So some traditions that me and my family have during Halloween is just last year we started these things They're like a 13-day countdown for Halloween. And like each day you get a blind bag and you open it and there's a little mini Funko Pop, like a Halloween character in it. Have you ever carved a pumpkin? You may have seen quite a few while walking around during the Halloween season. Whether they are real pumpkins picked from the patch and carved by hand or the shape of a jack-o'-lantern's iconic toothy smile made from decorative paper or orange lights. Many of us see tons of them in the days leading up to October 31st. But what if instead of pumpkin imagery up and down the street, you instead saw a bunch of turnips? Many think that the tradition of carving pumpkins and putting lit candles inside them came from the Samhain tradition of carving out and lighting turnips or radishes to ward off ghosts and evil spirits. In ancient times, when there was no electricity and hardly any other light in people's houses, the image of those lights would have been pretty eerie. As Samhain was slowly combined with Christian holidays, a new tale became popularized around the jack-o'-lantern. Legend has it that a man called Stingy Jack was in a battle of wits with the devil. He managed to trick the devil and trap him. And the devil promised if Jack let him go, then he would never go to hell. 
So when it comes time and Stingy Jack dies, he finds out Heaven doesn't want his soul either. With nowhere to go, his soul roams the earth. In some versions, lighting his path with an ember in a carved root. In other versions, the devil himself gives Jack a burning lump of coal in a carved-out turnip to light the way. It is said that locals eventually began carving creepy faces into turnips to try to drive Jack away, along with any other ghosts. Stingy Jack became known as Jack of the Lantern, and later, Jack O'Lantern. Other Halloween traditions also emerged from the idea of driving ghosts or evil spirits away. Many think that the Celts began the practice of dressing up at Halloween to trick the evil spirits they believed would appear on Samhain. If you dressed up like a ghost, maybe you could trick the ghost into not bothering you, thinking you were like them. Good logic, for sure. But then, how did candy get thrown into the mix? In the United States, it is estimated that about half of the population celebrates Halloween, with over 95% of them buying candy. That's something like 165 million people buying candy for one day. The practice of trick-or-treating as we know it today may have evolved from the tradition of souling in Western Europe. Connected to All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day the day after that, on November 2nd. People would go door to door asking for soul cakes or small cookies in exchange for prayers for the dead in purgatory. One account of souling in England, published in 1886, tells of children dressed in fantastic costumes. The practice took a more secular turn and became guising, where some children dressed up to scare unsuspecting neighbors and swapped the prayers for tricks. Eventually, this turned into trick-or-treating in the United States. The candy became mainstream in the mid-1900s, when people began providing treats to children, in hopes that they wouldn't trick or scare them. So if you say, trick-or-treat, when you knock on someone's door, it used to be assumed that if they didn't give you something, that meant you would play a prank on them. Of course, we at Unspookable can't condone scaring the pants off your neighbors, but we will share more Halloween night traditions right after this. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. 
Halloween came from a pagan holiday where everyone would wear costumes so they could blend in with the ghosts. The origin of Halloween began from like the Day of the Dead and celebrating them and honoring our lost family members and just kind of like having fun. On Halloween, is it's the day where the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest. So it's easier for ghosts to come into our world. One weird fact I know about Halloween is that before they carved pumpkins, they carved turnips or potatoes and put coals or candles in them to use as lanterns to guide the people who are trick-or-treating. I'm going to tell you all something really creepy and weird about Halloween, and it's a fact. So get ready. They actually used to wear Halloween masks and costumes to ward off evil spirits or just spirits because they thought that they would come back from the dead and take your soul back with them. And so that's why they would wear that stuff. It's creepy. Happy Halloween. Are you the type of person who seeks out haunted houses or scary stories by a bonfire on Halloween? Or do you prefer the lighter side of dressing up and going door to door or playing games like bobbing for apples? We talk a lot on Unspookable about how just the very concept of the dark activates a sense of mystery and danger in our animal brains. Centuries ago, before electricity, All Hallows' Eve would have been very dark, except for maybe the light of some jack-o'-lanterns or bonfires. Under this darkness, trick-or-treating and scary costumes becomes even more frightening. Today, many of us go door-to-door when it's still light out, or when there are street lights, decorations, and other electrical lights to light our way. As we've developed the technology to keep the darkness away longer, we sometimes have to manufacture the conditions for bigger scares, like designing whole haunted houses that bring the darkness inside. As fun as being scared can be, there are other Halloween traditions that come from the idea that this time of year enables us to reach realms beyond our own, to lift the veil, so to speak. One popular ritual was mirror gazing, which usually involved holding up a mirror and asking a question in order to catch a glimpse of your future in the glass. In another tradition, people would write secret messages to each other on pieces of paper using milk as ink, and the notes were then folded and placed into walnut shells. When the shells were heated over a fire, the milk would brown just enough for the message to mystically appear on the paper for the recipient. Bobbing for apples also came from a type of fortune-telling ritual where the apples would represent suitors and women would try to catch the apple of the person they wanted to be their date. Of course, these days, the apple can just be an apple if you want it to be. Will you be partaking in any All Hallows' Eve traditions this year? Remember, no matter how you celebrate, Be sure to pay attention while you do. 
because the barrier between our world and the next is thin this time of year. You may want to go looking for dead spirits, or a glimpse into the future, or you may want to dress up and be scared. But not too scared, right? After all, it's just fun and games. At least, that's probably what the ghosts want you to think. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit, produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. Special thanks this week to our guests, Ava and Ayla. You might recognize Ayla, along with her sister, Kala, from the podcast Scary Stories for Creepy Kids. Short and spooky stories for kids by kids. You can get their amazing show wherever you get podcasts. And keep an eye out as they also have three books available now on Amazon by searching Scary Stories for Creepy Kids. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.